This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning and their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. Unfortunately, playoffs are done for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which means we're talking offseason. We're just trying to see which players are sticking around, but we can't get into all that without breaking down that game six situation. So the best way to stay up to date on all information on the offseason now coming up nice and early for the Tampa Bay Lightning is by downloading that Odyssey app, searching Pucks and Bolts, hitting the auto download button so that all brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. I am your host, Casey Hudson, and it is time for us to dive into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Last time we hopped on here together, we were discussing what needs to be done for Game 5, what success they need to focus on in order to force a Game 7 after getting below in the series 3-1. to one. And there was an electrifying Game 5 atmosphere in Toronto for the Tampa Bay Lightning being able to pull off that win, being able to force that game six. And it reinstilled a lot of hope, hope in the fact that they can take this to game seven, hope in the fact that they can make a comeback, hope in the fact that we've seen them do it once before versus Pittsburgh years ago. I want to say 2011, they were down three to one in the series and pulled it off to make it to round two. Not the case this time. I know that we've had about 48 hours to grieve Bolts fans. I'm sure no one is unaware of the results of game six. Heads into overtime after a 1-1 situation and the Toronto Maple Leafs break their curse, stamp their tickets around two, and the Tampa Bay Lightning were kind of stuck sitting in it. So where do we start with all of this? Well, again, translating everything from game five to game six, hopes were high. Um, the anticipation was Tampa Bay Lightning had every opportunity to pull this to a game seven. They opened up that first frame beautifully. Um, we've seen them do it the last two games, obviously, game six, game five, where they were just able to start being more commanding in that face-off circle, give themselves the puck possession that they need, and put themselves in a position to control the game as much as possible. When you've got heavy hitters like Austin Matthews, Nylander, and Marner that you know are doing everything possible to get their team on the board and putting so many shots on goal, you've got to keep the puck away from those guys. So the highlight was the fact of how much effective and efficient play the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to produce, and that did start in that first period ever so well. Um, We were seeing that second line continue to build off of the success and the progress that they've been making throughout the entire series. Uh, The the line consisted of Hagel, Sorelli, and Kalorn, and they were the ones that were able to initially really kind of tilt the ice for these guys. Now, that top line that changed over to Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point. They were getting a lot of shifts. Coach Cooper was making a lot of rapid changes, I think, just to keep the Toronto Maple Leafs on their toes. And it played well for 40 minutes. Um, Once they got into that second frame is when the Toronto Maple Leafs got on the board after a heavy quick tilt. And it was Riley that got the job done, uh, a guy who obviously became enemy number one at some point in this series after that hit on Braden Point. And at least Coach Cooper is the kind of coach where he's not particularly biased. He can always be honest as to what somebody brings to the ice. And he warned media that 
Riley's a really good guy outside of the ice and he's going to be a hockey player on the ice. So he's a guy who's been a crucial piece for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, honestly, because of the physicality that he brings, the way that he anchors as a, at the blue line and also his ability to put pucks on net. And he did just that. Uh, not the quickest response time that we've seen all series long. And we know that Anthony Sorelli has typically been on the end of that responding uh, portion, but Luckily, the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to even the scoreboard, and it was oh, captain our captain, Steven Stamkos, that puts up a goal, makes it a 1-1 game, and just kind of brings this momentous swing to the team. Now, before we get any further as to what they did well, what they could have done better, we do have to tip our hats to Samsonov and the performance that he put on between the pipes. Um, it was just really hard to get pucks past him, and we've talked a bit here on Pucks and Bolts about what kind of shots kind of get the job done and how you have to get a little unpredictable. And in the words of Mikey Acemont, you got to get crafty to get past Samsonov, not because he's this extreme goalie who's putting up these ridiculous numbers. It's just his ability to coverage the lower half of the net and you've got to get fancy with it or you got to switch things up. And that wasn't particularly the case. When the Tampa Bay Lightning got their power play opportunities in game six, he saw the setup for the Steven Samkos one-timer from that left circle. And I think a lot of us between media and also Bolts fans have talked about it for the past three years. There's something that has to change on that power play in order to keep it consistent. And that sweet spot can't be the left circle from Steven Samkos. And I think that that was just becoming a, 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 a predictable shutdown situation. The Maple Leafs were all on top of it. Um, Samsonov was able to control and manage and cover that side of the net. So that was something that kind of started to take the wind out of the bolt sails. Now, in order to keep the momentum going and keep the shots firing, it was that second line that played a huge role in that. Brandon Hagel's ability to take away the puck from the Toronto Maple Leafs and just play this flustering defense. Anthony Sorelli's sticky coverage. And then Alex Kalorn's ability to just charge towards the net, wrap around the net, keep the puck on his stick, try to set up his players. I mean, his passes from behind the net, I probably think we saw the most of that in this game six. So a lot of great highlights stemming from that second line. But as for the line that really started to put up some numbers, it was the third line with Mikey Acey, Mont Ross Cole, and then Nick Paul. Nick Paul came out hot and heavy, ready to pick up where he left off from game five, where he finally got on the board and uh, put some water on a drought. 30 games since his last score. And this is a guy that was a complete difference maker versus the Toronto Maple Leafs last year. And we were hoping that once that monkey got off his back, it was just going to be this snowball effect and that he'd be able to post some goals. Uh, he hit the post, but he did not post any goals. But this was a line that was helping generate the most offense uh, between game five and game six, surprisingly enough. But when you watch the game, you're just completely breathtaking by what that second line kept doing and the consistency behind it. Now, knowing Coach Cooper, when that third period came along and you've got this even scoreboard at 1-1, he's going to throw some things in the blender and switch things up. And the biggest thing that he wanted to make an impact with and a spark and a momentum swing that he tried to put in play there was by throwing Hagel back on that top line with Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point. And it did start to feel like it was making a difference there for a moment. I think that was probably also a crucial point in the game that helped keep the scoreboard even to take this game five or get, take this game six into overtime. And you saw a lot of good looks from this team. You saw a lot of pucks that you really thought were gonna, going to go their way. I think that's the hardest part about this game six loss 
for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when talking to Steven Stamkos, particularly after the game, he just said that there was too many missed opportunities. And sometimes when it comes to these playoff battles, you need puck luck. And in so many ways, not as an excuse, that is what it comes down to. It came down to a lack of puck luck. I mean, there were so many great shots by this team. They outshot the Maple Leafs through the first uh, I want to say 30 minutes, you know, the entire first frame and half of the second frame. And they just weren't able to get anything past Samsonov. There wasn't even these immaculate defensive plays from the Toronto Maple Leafs that we had seen in the previous couple of games. They switched up their lineup and their deep pairings. Um, Hall went out, obviously, after catching a lot of heat after game five and being solely responsible for being on the ice for, if not all of the Tampa Bay Lightning goals, majority of the Tampa Bay Lightning goals. So uh, Sheldon Keith made that switch up, brought in some other guys to hold it down defensively. And I think that that change up allowed the Tampa Bay Lightning to spread out the Maple Leaf sweaters better. They weren't jamming up the net as much as we saw through the first five games. But even in that, Samsonov just had a heck of a performance between the pipes and it was just hard to get those pucks passed and it was hard to get anything to count. Um, now, another thing that, I know Bolts fans are feeling very heavy-hearted about after that loss is that there were certain calls that did not go in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And not to make this whole controversial, it came down to calls, it came down to this, it came down to that. In many ways, they got outplayed by Toronto because you can't lose two home games in overtime and expect to win a series. And I think that's kind of been a resounding statement from Coach Cooper to the players, to fans that just kind of really been leaned into this series. So at the end of the day, regardless of how certain aspects of game six planned out, they put themselves at a disadvantage by losing two home games in overtime when they had full control of winning both of those games. They just couldn't finish. They just couldn't execute. But taking it back to some of that game six controversy, there were some really tough calls that could have been impactful or could have made a slight difference to this game result if it played in favor of the Lightning. Um, you know, Nikita Kucherov gets called for a tripping play while he's in motion. The same play happens not even five minutes later, but the Toronto Maple Leafs don't get called for it. Then there was the biggest one where we've seen a lot of character coming out of Brandon Hagel this season, and that just gives you something to look forward to next season. But uh, as the third period wrapped up before that overtime situation came into play, Brandon Hagel gets a breakaway, charging down the ice and trying to make a play to put his team over so that they don't have to go into overtime and he gets a high stick to the face, a clear, concise stick to the face right at his mouth. One referee sees it. The other one doesn't call it. It ends up becoming a no call. And we see Hagel flipping out as he's going over to the bench. And even as he's heading down the tunnel towards the locker room, he was fuming over that. Um, called the referees bummed <laughs> and he had every right to be upset because it was a clear penalty that just could have changed maybe some flow of the game. Who knows? Because uh, like I mentioned, Samsonov was having himself a stellar night. But we do have to give some love to the big cat, the other guy in between the pipes who came in so strong for his team game five as well as game six. Uh, that one goal that snuck past him is just kind of hard. There's been a lot of conversation as to if Vasilevsky has been exploited, if his weakness has officially been confirmed. And it's those deflected goals. It's those tippins that just have a tendency to get past him. And I will say this, there was a great breakdown on Twitter kind of saying it's because of his movement coming off of his pads, trying to stand up, how quickly he can do that. And if he can see the puck coming to make that movement happen even faster. Um, so with that goal that did end up sneaking by him in the second period, you just saw that he was slow to get off his pads and it took him a minute to get into his stance and the puck beat him above his head. So 
to kind of have that in mind, I know that Vasilevsky being one of the most meticulous goaltenders out there, wanted to send a message and say, you might think you have me figured out, but not so much. And he came up with crucial saves in game five, as well as game six, but there's only so much clock there. There's only so much time to make these grand saves and the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to continue to sneak pucks by. Now, once they got into that overtime situation, the Tampa Bay Lightning came out swinging. Uh, it's so hard to kind of wrap your brain around what you saw on the ice and how much this played in favor of the Lightning pulling off a victory and it just not happening um, and not going their way. They came out loading up shots on goal. Uh, a lot of great opportunities, moving really fast, fighting for that puck possession, forechecking like crazy. Um, the blocks that went into play here. Anthony Sorelli deserves his own specific particular trophy made of gold because he was the sacrificial lamb of this game. I can't even count how many times he threw his body in front of a puck, coming up with huge blocks for this team. When the guys would get on a breakaway or when odd man rushes would happen, Sorelli handled that with so much composure and was able to block shots without uh, you know, impacting his body to where he ended up getting sent down the tunnels or placed out of the lineup. And he just kept blocking shot after shot after shot after shot. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Bellemare, same thing. Both of those guys came up tremendously in the block shot column to try to secure this victory for their team. And even though they tried to get there at that last minute, once the Maple Leafs got possession of the puck and started charging down the ice, turns out that even though Captain John Tavares for the Toronto Maple Leafs landed that overtime goal, sending his team to the second round, there was a deflection off of Darren Radish's skate that kind of sealed the deal and closed that chapter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there's just so many things and aspects to this series that were ultimately defeating. But I'll say this, knowing the Tampa Bay Lightning, knowing this organization, there was no excuses, even though they kind of had some valid excuses there. The adversity that they consistently find themselves facing when it comes to playoffs, the changes to the lineup, the young guys stepping up, but it all came back down to that trade deadline conversation, which is something I can't wait to get into in this offseason because what's done is done. And the trade deadline played in a bigger favor to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ryan O'Reilly was a complete difference maker, nearly picked up a point in every single game and very much helped keep this Toronto Maple Leafs team alive. And they're in for a big second round, but I'm sure Ryan O'Reilly will continue to make a tremendous impact in that aspect. And then some of their young guys stepped up. You know, you got Matthew Nyes that's coming off of a uh, Gophers team that just lost in the Frozen Four, which he ended up back in Tampa moments later playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs before their season closed out. And he was actually uh, an assist on that overtime goal. So to come in and get thrown in the lineup right away, initially he came in to put out Bunting. Uh, Bunting made his return to the lineup in game six, but you can tell he was scared to put up any kind of major hits Everyone tried to play really smart hockey. It wasn't this over-penalized game. While there was a lot of body throwing around, everyone was very focused on clean hits and nobody going to the box and putting themselves in crucial positions. We also know the Tampa Bay Lightning, the last thing that they wanted to do was consistently be on the penalty kill because Eric Chernak ended up never returning to this series. And that was kind of a huge blow to this team. You've got one of your top-notch stand-up defenseman that could never come back in. And while Zach Bogosian has this veteran experience and has won a cup with this team and also played for the Maple Leafs the season before last, um, he just 
he's at that part of his career where he's not particularly that Swiss army knife and he's not putting his body on the line the same way that an Eric Chernak does. Chernak has an ability to play 200 feet of hockey, but be very physical and uh, put his body on the line, which probably uh, explains why he had the most injuries he's had career wise this past season. So we'll get all that information as to the full doctor report and disclosure of what these guys have been battling through and to just kind of take a rear view of the series as a whole. There was a lot of doubt. We know Toronto Maple Leafs were favored. And the best part about this is the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to charge into Toronto game one and kind of silence some of the doubt and um, kind of remind everyone that they're not the kind of team that you count out early by any means. Game two obviously was a blueprint script flip for the Toronto Maple Leafs game three and four you got to win those at home and to have the success that this team had on home ice throughout the regular season and them not being able to find that uh in the postseason obviously where it counts the most I think that's probably where this team is slightly beating themselves up you give up leads you allow teams to come back in the third period which is typically a Tampa Bay Lightning's strongest period they just weren't able to close get into overtime and they can't get those shots off or land any goals so now we are here, no game seven. Game six closes the chapter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the first time in three years where their season is uh, ending early and we all get an off season way earlier than anticipated or even desired. But this team finally gets an opportunity to heal up and kind of focus and get that extra off time that they haven't had in years. And the best part about all of this is the fan base that just kind of went berserk. Obviously, Leaf fans are on the high right now, breaking that extensive curse and having these young guys that were one, two, and three years old the last time the Maple Leafs made it past the second round. But I'll tell you this, every time you get too excited in playoff hockey, you're going to be humbled. So Leaf fans, be careful. I know that they were sitting there chanting in the square in Toronto that they wanted the Florida Panthers. And Wildly enough, they got them because that President's Trophy curse is still riding strong. The Bruins got knocked out in overtime last night, a heck of a game to watch, and by former Tampa Bay Lightning player Carter Verhage. Verhage, who was a difference maker and a helpful piece in the bubble when the Lightning won their second Stanley Cup franchise-wise, first one in the past three years. And so it's going to be great to see if there's a humbling experience in round two for the Maple Leafs and whether or not you're going to cheer for a Florida team, even though it's the ultimate rival of this Tampa Bay Lightning team. So a lot of things for the guys to be proud of, their ability to kind of be flexible, their ability to readjust, and their ability to bounce back. Um, I think also just the brilliance behind Coach Cooper's mechanics and his ability to know his team so well. We know a part of Game 5 success for the Tampa Bay Lightning was the fact that Coach Cooper made uh, a line change last minute, drawing out Tanner Janot and throwing Mike Yacimont back in there, who hasn't played since game one. Originally, it came out because of the concussion protocol, but he has been on the ice for morning skate every day since uh, leaving game one. So Mike Yacimont talked to the media after and just kind of let everyone know he was just waiting for his call, and that's what he's here to do. He's here to perform when his number is called, and he's here to humbly be on the sidelines when somebody else needs to go in, and that's the thing that makes his team so, so special and so great is just the selflessness of it. And Tanner Deneau obviously humbly sat out game five and saw where Coach Cooper was coming from. Um, I think if you look back at games one through four, you saw that because there was such a high physical element to the game, we kind of thought physicality was going to be something that played in favor for the Tampa Bay Lightning for these playoffs. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs don't exactly have 
a full roster of guys that love to drop the gloves, that love to fight. You've got your two, three key guys over there. And so that physical approach, it helped to an extent. But something else that we were seeing that was kind of becoming an Achilles heel for this Lightning team is that there would be these defensive plays. There would be these big hits in their D zone, and they'd end up losing the puck and uh, losing possession in those transactions. So it wasn't playing in their favor to be this overly physical team. It surely was not playing in their favor to end up playing, you know, back in and out of the penalty box. So for Coach Cooper to kind of realize, look, we have to go skill to skill here, reel in the physicality, just be able to forecheck hard and keep the puck on our stick. I'm going to switch it out for my PAC mod. And we've talked about my case. You want so much here on pucks and bolts and Adam Denker and I got to talk about it on his show as well. Something you're going to want to check out because there was so many glimmers in Mikey Simon's game that showed you that this is a guy who's going to play so well in this lineup and with this team and just that many more months and the proper training camp with the Tampa Bay Lightning. AC Mont's going to be a key figure here because he flies around like Yanni Gord, somebody that will never stop talking about enough. Um, he's got the speed of Tyler Johnson, something that's obviously been missing since Johnson joined the Blackhawks. So he's got these skill sets of players that made it such a huge impact on the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. And he's not afraid to shoot. Um, the biggest topic that comes around the Tampa Bay Lightning a lot is the fact that they overpass or they always take that extra pass. And so having a guy like Mikey Asimov, I think also influences the line that he's on to not get so pass happy to take that shot. And he ended up coming up with a huge goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning in game five. And when he talked about it after the fact, he said, you know, I'd been working on it at practice in morning skate and I kind of saw the opportunity. He beat Hall on the outside and he took the shot and he didn't take your typical shot either he's like you got to get a little crafty sometimes when you're playing certain goaltenders and that needed to be more consistent in order for the Tampa Bay Lightning to pull off a win over the Maple Leafs in this round one so to just see that coach Cooper knows his players well enough to make that call to trust his instinct and overall take that risk it was very helpful and that same lineup went into game six and it was also Mikey A.C. Mott that helped spark this momentum and motivate Nick Paul. Uh, Nick Paul started to feed off of his energy and feed off of his play and and just take the shot and get back to the form that he was in last postseason. And we saw postseason Polly there for a second, and Nick Paul ended up closing out his drought and picking up a goal as well. So a lot of great things in the mixture here to just know who your physical players are going to be, who your skilled players are going to be, who your true two-way players are and kind of everyone reformulating their identity so that they can see what this roster is going to look like in the next coming season. But Mikey A. Simon's going to be a guy to keep your eye on. Tanner Janot, I know a lot of people are still really worked up about, you know, what was given away to collect Tanner Janot. And he knows the depth that's on his head with, with all of that being said. But Coach Cooper says that you need 10 games to really see how a player is going to contribute. And within that 10-game span, you saw Tanner Juno pick up a couple of assists, uh, lead the team in hits, and then also get his first goal as a Tampa Bay Lightning member. Um, within all of that, I remind you of some of the things that we didn't see out of Brandon Hagel last postseason. Now he's one of the top players on the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. So Instead of being so worked up about what happened at the trade deadline, what's done is done. This team is in a partial rebuild, not even a tremendous rebuild. Um, you got to trust what Coach Cooper is seeing in Janot, what he's seeing in AC Mont, and where the line configurations are going to come in to make sure that these guys are playing their best hockey. So Mikey AC Mont draws in for game five and game six, makes an impact. 
gets so many shots off on goal, uh, starts to re-energize Nick Paul. Ross Colton was, you know, an also a key guy that just brings something different to the ice, but still didn't have his larger season quite yet. And even though that top line drew back in, it just wasn't enough to seal the deal. So Tampa Bay Lightning fall to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs move on to round two to take on the Florida Panthers. And I think most of us are just rooting for a Florida team to continue in succession and kind of move on here. And, well, if I'm being honest and taking it personally, I love to see the Toronto Maple Leafs drop out of round two after just the craziness that they brought into Amelie Arena. Um, but we will be back because they haven't done their postseason exit meetings yet. That's obviously where we learn where the guys have been banged up. Um, goals heading into the offseason and anything to keep an eye out for. Also, there's a handful of guys that may not be in a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey next season. So hopefully we'll get into all of that with a guest. But if not, we will be breaking down that press conference and breaking down some of those conversations. And the biggest topic overall is, will Alex Kalorn take a pay cut to stay in Tampa Bay? Or, you know, did we just see the last of Killer and that electrifying second line and the work that he's put in for this organization. So a lot of question marks heading into an early offseason, but nonetheless, a lot to look forward to when it comes to this Tampa Bay Lightning roster and these amazing players, because I will always stand by this. Regardless of the results, Tampa Bay still has one of the most skilled rosters in the league, and I know that they're going to make a deep run next year. So be sure to stay with us here at Pucks and Bolts for all of your Tampa Bay Lightning insight and information and well entertainment now that we're heading into off season. And the best way to stay up to date on all of that is by downloading the Odyssey app, searching Pucks and Bolts, hitting that auto download button so that all brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. As always, guys, I'm your host, Casey Hudson. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time here at Pucks and Bolts. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 